another bonus podcast. My name is Thalia. I'm one of the pastors here at Northview, and I'm sitting with Crystal. Hello. She's pastor of women here at Northview, and Kathleen. Hi. (laughs) She is the intern for women's ministry. And if you are new to this podcast, we are so thankful that you're joining us. We have a new mission campus, and we might have some new listeners Mm -hmm. listening. So let's talk about that. We just started our new mission campus what day is today? Today's Tuesday, so we started a couple days ago on Sunday. Yeah, Sunday was the first service. I wasn't there, but Thalia was texting me pictures <laughs> from, the sur- from the sanctuary, which was great. I was at a volleyball tournament, and she's sending me these pictures. It's standing room only. There's 600 people here. I know. I wanted so, you to be part of it so yeah. bad, but I totally understand our family commitments. And I could not believe the amount of people that were driving up and parking and walking from blocks away, and thankfully it was a dry day. And it was full to overflowing. Mm-hmm. There were, we ended up putting young adults on the stage. We, people, young adults were sitting in the lobby on the carpet because we ran out of chairs. The lobby was full. They ended up putting um, speakers in the lobby so people could hear. It was jammed upstairs. There were kids all over people's laps. It was incredible. Good Not thing it wasn't rain. like August when it would have been boiling hot yeah. too. Or <laughs> These... frozen. Yeah. You know? yeah. Or raining. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. But it was, it was quite amazing. And I know a lot of people were there to support this new launch. So mm-hmm. not everybody was there that's going to be part of the Mission Church. But a lot of people were there that were supporting and encouraging and wanting to be part of this exciting day. Which is great that yeah. they were there. And it'll be interesting to see then over the next couple of weeks how that settles down. Who are the regulars that are going to make mm-hmm. that their home and really dig their roots in there? Yes. Which will be fun to see. Yeah, it It'll impact really all our ministries to know who those people are going to be. Yeah, Because uh, we're going to start up some new women's ministry Bible studies. And uh, and I don't know who will be coming. So We it, don't. It, yeah. yeah, it's intriguing to think about the future there. Yeah. So if it was... If it was Christian to make bets, we can start making bets on how it would settle out, but we just have no idea. No. And kids' ministry doesn't know what the next few weeks will look like, so we would ask that if you're listening to this and if you're going to go to the Mission Church, please have some grace and mercy, mercy and patience on the first few weeks yeah. as we try to figure out what this is going to look like. Yeah, combining new people that are kind of part of that congregation mm-hmm. with new volunteers and just figuring out the space. And yeah. 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 So as part of that, we are having a prayer week this week in mission, mm-hmm. 7 o'clock till 8.30, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Today is Tuesday, and Crystal is leading tonight. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I'm excited about it. It was kind of funny. Ezra gave me the topic, and I was like, oh, no. <laughs> but the more I thought about it, the more it's great. So he preached a sermon this week that was on Acts, 24, or Acts 4, uh, 23 to 31, I think, which is Peter and John's response um, as they prayed for... Um, or as they went back to the congregation after the, con- the Sanhedrin told them not to continue preaching the gospel. And so they went back to their congregation to ask for support, and they had four points. And the second point, which I have to talk on today, is that people are evil. <laughs> it's like, <Yeah>. oh, nice. <laughs> but the more I thought about it over the weekend, the more I thought, I really love this topic. Because the more we re- recognize that in ourselves, the more we understand God's grace. Yeah. And the amazing way that he pulled us out of the darkness that we were in and he brought us back to life in the death that we were experiencing and it's just such an amazing too many people don't preach kind of the evilness of people because they want us to all feel good about ourselves and have good self-esteem and have good you know feel like yeah like we're good people but that really robs us of understanding the grace that God gave us and robs us of that humility of coming before God and saying, I know that I'm a sinner just like everybody else, mm-hmm. which makes us more gracious towards other people. Yeah, so I like that family feel when we understand that we yeah. all have sin and there aren't sort of super sins. They're no. all sin. 
So that makes it we belong together. Yeah, so pulling together. Yeah. So that'll be it'll be fun to to kind of read through scripture together tonight and pray through scripture as we talk about how this idea that we're all evil affects us personally, how it affects us as a church, and how it affects us as we witness to people. So yeah. those are the three things I'm going to talk if through. You've never been to a prayer night. You would really be surprised. There is worship singing, there is scripture reading, there is prayer, and Crystal or in this case, Crystal tonight, or Ezra, if he's leading, they do small things, they, small group activities, they do large group activities. The hour and a half, which it zooms. seems yeah. impossible to pray for an hour and a half, it zooms. Yeah. And it's very encouraging. Yeah. Yeah, so there's quite a few people that, I mean, we're used to it. People that are regulars here at North are used to that style, but I think a lot of the people who are normally from the mission campus just had no concept of this no. is what we were going to do. <laughs> so yesterday was a bit of... Surprise, it sounded like, yeah. which is good. Okay, so moving on, we also want to do a little bit of a follow-up from the dating podcasts we did, the last two. We, Crystal and I were part of a, pod, a panel discussion, sorry, for the Northview Young Adults. That was close to Valentine's Day. It was the 13th, because the Valentine's Day was the 14th, yeah. Yeah. That was really fun. So Thalia, myself, uh, Dave McVitie, who's a friend of Andy's, and he works for... Um, doing Family Right with Dave Curry, and then Andy Steiger, the four of us were on nice black leather couches at the front of the stage, and uh, John Rendell, the intern here, was our host, and he asked lots of great questions, and then people texted in questions from the floor, which I thought was a nice way to do it. Mm -hmm. People don't have to get embarrassed by standing up and asking a question about dating and sexuality, but they could send something in anonymously and have us answer it. Yeah. So it was a fun night. It was very practical, I felt. And that's very what practical. a lot of people said to me after, that they, it was the most practical kind of talk they'd had mm. on dating and relationships. And, and Thalia was her normal self, <laughs> <laughs> using all the words that people are scared to, to use, but in a good way, uh, to just encourage them that our church talks about issues in, the, mm-hmm. uh, in sexuality, which is what we're actually going to talk about today yeah. in the podcast. But um, it was really good. And after time, afterwards, there was a time of worship and prayer, and I had three or four people come up to me to pray. I know you had the book the yeah. same, and I think everybody um, was just really open to being held accountable, to have, wanting people to encourage them and yeah, yeah in um, their dating and just regular life stuff. So it was really a healthy atmosphere there. It was a room, the pa- room was packed. There's about 200 kids there. I could not believe how many young adults yeah. were present. Our interns were there too. That yeah. was there. They had to go there for their ministry experience yeah. night. Great night to go. By yeah. Day. We really enjoyed but looking having over them. the crowd, it was like people were into this tub- yes. topic. You could tell like they're all like leaning forward in their seat <laughs> and their like eyes are trained on us. We're like, whoa, <laughs> we better not screw up here. <laughs> I know, it's true. Yeah. So as part of that, if you want to continue to email us and phone us and ask your questions, you're more than welcome to do that. We love talking about those kinds of things. Yeah. At least I do. I yeah. trust all this too, but I really do. So you're welcome to do that. And one more comment too, that we continue to get emails and phone calls about the women in leadership question. Mm-hmm. And so if Got one just yesterday. Yeah. yeah, if you're listening, you are so welcome to continue to do that. If you are still wrestling with issues on behalf of yourself or someone else, Crystal and I are willing to respond and go for coffee and talk one-on-one or whatever the case may be so that we can discuss this issue. Yeah, at this point, um, for those of you who have looked at our website recently, you'll know that it's been all revamped to include mission in it, which meant that a lot of our archives just slipped off the pages because Daryl had to do just the basics to get it going. But in the next day or two, we're told all those archives should come back up. So all of our old podcasts should be back up there. So you should be able to access them and listen to them if you haven't yet. Because we did a series of three this past fall, Mm -hmm. 2014. Yeah. 
so that you can go and listen to those and you can dial it with us. Yeah, it's one of the biggest questions people ask about Northview. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. So the topic for today comes from a class that I was asked to prepare for a couple of months ago. And it, it's a class that I was able to be a guest lecturer at, one of two guest lecturers at the Mennonite Brethren Biblical Seminary, which mm-hmm. is based at Trinity Western. And Bruce Gunther, who is the head of that seminary, asked if I would prepare this question. And here's the question. What is the impact of our highly sexualized culture on our churches, on pastors, lay leadership, and congregants? And that word congregants is just simply a term that means people who attend our churches. So if you're listening, pause the podcast Hmm. and write down your thoughts. What is the impact of our highly sexualized culture on our churches today? And then write down your notes, and you can compare it to what we talk about. Because I came up with some problems that I see. It's not an exhaustive list, though. It is simply some of my brainstorming in this area. And you and had I would some love of your to add to it. yeah, and you had some of your friends. You kind of put the yes. face the question on Facebook and said, "Tell me what's the impact." And a number of people kind of gave you their takes on it. Yeah, and a few of them were like, "Oh, this is not a question I want to respond to on Facebook." So they emailed me, which was good. I yeah. really thought of that because some of the responses were lengthy, which is great. I used a number of those comments in this material. Hmm. So I'm really thankful for that. How many kids, how many people were in the class when you taught it? So 12 seminary students. The average age is about 35. But there was a range of some that were a little bit younger and some that were into their 60s. And these are people that are, some of them are currently pastors and they're increasing their training and some are wanting to be pastors Mm -hmm. or use it in some other way, but in the ministry field. So the class is called Christianity and Culture. So it's not a first level course. They would have had to take prerequisites to be part of this class and it was focusing on pornography which was a professor who taught at trinity his first name is robin i can't remember his last name right now i'd have to look at my notes and then i was the second guest lecturer speaking more about sort of the broader range of sexual immorality in our churches and how it affects us did you feel like this was a new topic for the people there or something that they were well versed with already what was your sense of the room they were very interested and kind of it was kind of new for them in terms of how it affects our churches Mm. and how do we do church discipline and how do we sort of process in our churches those were the questions that came to me afterwards not so much the topic they know what sexual immorality is and how the bible speaks about it but how do we practically work that out was their questions at the end Mm -hmm. i've been surprised as you've done this in a couple different settings the different kind of pushback you've gotten Mm -hmm. from people that People don't want to implement certain safeguards or whatever that you yeah. have because they think it will hinder ministry and stuff. That's right. And that's is, one of the problems we're going to talk about. Yeah. So well, let me list for you all of the problems. And then we're going to, Crystal and I are going to read through it. I have a handout in front of me that I prepared for the class. So the problems I see are, the first one is we drink the cultural Kool-Aid. Mm-hmm. So we buy into the norms of the culture around us. Faithfulness is old-fashioned. That's number two, which is sexual purity is seen as outdated. The third one is hungering for spice. Faithful Christian marriages are considered boring. Uh, The fourth one is acceptable sexual goalposts have moved. And I'm going to talk about the whole area of homosexuality briefly. Another one is wearing a mask. Christians are finding ways to sin Hmm. more discreetly. And the last two, silence in the church. So compared to our culture, many churches are viewed as being silent on sexuality and sexual issues. And the last one is boundaries hinder ministry. Hmm. And the desire to care for and love others, Christians may not put healthy boundaries in place to protect against sexual immorality. And that's where I get usually the most pushback. And so that's our last one for today. But we'll go back to the beginning. 
And the scripture verse that I was thinking about in this whole topic is from Proverbs 5, 20 to 23. Crystal, could you read that for sure. us? <clears throat> Why should you be intoxicated, my son, with a forbidden woman and embrace the bosom of an adulteress? For a man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponders all his paths. The iniquities of the wicked ensnare him, and he is held fast in the cords of his sin. He dies for lack of discipline, and because of his great folly, he is led astray. And so in this whole topic of our highly sexualized culture and the impact on churches, hmm. this is what I see, is that we as Christians are being intoxicated, and we embrace sexual immorality, and we forget that a man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponders all his paths. We can't see God, and so we think he's not watching us. Hmm. And then we become ensnared, and we get held fast in the cords of a sin. It's a sticky trap that we get yeah. stuck in. Can't get out of. And it says we die. Well, we do die for lack of discipline. We don't put guards in our lives to protect ourselves. And then it talks about great folly. And that's <clears throat> us as Christians. We are so foolish. And when I was going through this topic, I realized how much I myself have become desensitized mm -hmm. to this whole issue. So the first problem we're going to talk about is drinking the cultural Kool-Aid. And I borrowed that from Ezra. He used that, oh, a couple of years ago, and I just loved it. We as Christians are buying into the norms of the culture around us. And we forget, like 1 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, that all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. It's really important. And so when I talked to this class, I said that Scripture is our primary authority. That's where I'm coming from. We are looking at Scripture as the foundation. Now, the problem with drinking the cultural Kool-Aid is that there are a whole bunch of results if we do that. Crystal, let's talk about some of those. Um, we just start thinking that what we want is more important than what God wants to yeah. start off with. We forget that God is the designer of sexuality um, and that as such, he has his kind of boundaries that he sets around us are what's best for us. Okay. But instead, we start believing that he's the killjoy and, and we should find our own way to express ourselves. That will make us more happy. Yeah. Um, we pursue immorality. Well, we know it's a sin uh, yeah. because we're more about our own pleasure uh, yeah. than about any kind of accountability to God's laws or to his. And I see this weekly. I have a lot of people that come to meet with me and they will tell me that they have been caught up in one form of sexual immorality or another, such as pornography or emotional adultery or actual physical adultery or sexting or you name it. And they will tell me that they knew the whole time they were doing this that it was wrong. Mm -hmm. They've grown up in the church, they are Christians, and they knew it was wrong, but they kept doing it. Because of the they thrill of it, the excitement, the... What it was doing for their ego or their yeah, yeah pride yeah and that's part of the desensitization is that we get caught up in the fact that everybody else is doing it mm -hmm. it's on tv shows it's in music videos this is normal in our culture it makes it hard for us as parents to try and raise our kids and our teenagers to yeah. honor god because this is very much everybody's watching this show mom yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's just very much part of everything that they see. I, I was commenting one time, this is a different, little different, but on the language in a TV show, and my kids were like, well, we hear these words every day at school. Yeah. And I thought, yeah, I guess you do. <laughs> but you get desensitized to ideas um, because they're so normal yeah. for us. And so as parents, when we try and set limits or guards, we look extra weird, I guess. And I'm looking back at some of the TV programs 
that are popular now and were a number of years ago, like the um, Bachelor and the Bachelorette. Mm -hmm. Well, when they first came out, we were a little bit appalled that the Bachelor or the Bachelorette seemed to be kind of having um, a lot of sex with the people that were on the show in the hot tub with this person and then kissing that person and so no. forth. But now it's normal and we expect it. Like, this is what happens on yeah. week on week ten, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, or sooner. Yeah, and so. You know, I don't even realize that I've also bought into that, too. Mm -hmm. And the show Big Brother and shows like that where it's just part of what the show is and we expect it and it's normal and we, oh, okay. Yeah, and as a result of this, we also get a lot of, you know, there's abortion and single parenting and adoption because, of course, sexual sin doesn't just stay there. It has no. results, it has diseases, Lead it has things like that. Yeah, leads to breakdown in marriages and yeah. long-term consequences. Yeah. Yeah. We even see a delay in marriage mm. because if you can gratify yourself sexually, why would you bother getting married? So people are waiting, you know, till their late twenties, thirties, or maybe not even getting married because they can fulfill themselves. Yeah, so they might as well just be single and have relationships as they want, but not be tied down to somebody that's going to annoy them sometimes. And yeah, <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. So I wrote down some of the solutions to this area, but this would apply to every area that we talk about going forward. And again, it's not exhaustive. So if you have a pen and you think of something else that you want to add to these, I'll just quickly run through them. So a solution to drinking the cultural Kool-Aid is we have to go back to the basics. Yeah. We have to go back to the authority of scripture, which I already talked about, and we need to go back to the spiritual disciplines. Regular personal Bible reading, Bible study, group study, regular prayer. I hate putting that word regular in front. It seems like you have to add on the thing. It's not just prayer once a year or Bible study or Bible reading once a year. It's actually regular. Regular church attendance. You have to hear the good things coming yeah. in. Yeah, in order to be able to distinguish, yeah. to reset our brains to God's ways rather than what the culture is telling us. Mm -hmm. And people yeah. say, well, Bible reading is very boring. And I'm like, yes, it is at times. But, you know, eating salads is boring, and yet it's good for me, and I do it, and I eat vegetables, and I eat other things that are healthy for me because I need to. It's important for me. Yeah. Yeah. And there's so many opportunities to get in groups that can help encourage you in some of these mm -hmm. disciplines, right? Like we have our Bible studies at churches. We have prayer nights at churches, other yeah. things that can show us that it isn't, doesn't have to be boring. No. Yeah. But even if it is, we have to persist. Yes. And we have to look for the times like women's Bible study is actually great. Yeah. And people don't even realize that you can sit around a table and be energized by the women sitting there. Discuss good stuff. Yeah. Yep. <clears throat> okay, let's move to problem number two. Faithfulness is old-fashioned. Okay, sexual purity is seen as outdated. Yeah. Those of you listening will go, of course it is. Yes, mm -hmm. because that's what we bought into. And so it's more common to have sex before marriage, living together, adultery, pornography, what other things, Crystal, are as a result? Um, it's just this idea that um, why would you get married? Like, I have a friend whose dad is getting remarried now, and all her coworkers are like, well, why would he even bother? Like, why wouldn't he just live with yeah. this person? Yeah. Like, why bother getting married? So this um, idea that marriage itself is kind of a, an institution that is kind of from the past, mm -hmm. and we don't need to worry about it anymore. It's not something, anything to value anymore. Yeah. Malachi 1, 14 to 16, part of that verse says, Let none of you be faithless to the wife of your youth. It's important in Scripture that we are faithful to our spouses, but this is becoming less and less the case. And even faithfulness to God's design for sexuality outside of marriage. So celibate Christian singles are seen as broken or to be pitied, weird, lacking. It's not a viable lifestyle. No. No. 
So that's sad. It should be the way it is because people will be single before they get married. Many times a spouse will die, sometimes in their 50s and 60s, and so someone is single again, and God calls us to holy sexuality. It's not an option for Christians, and yet we forget that. And of course we see, like I talked about before, a delay in marriage, increase in separation, divorce, remarriage, blended families, and the ripple effect of pain and hurt. Unfortunately, if we sometimes think that if I participate in sexual immorality, it's just going to affect me, yeah, but no. it doesn't. You're always part of a bigger, there's yeah. always relationships that are impacted by it. Yeah. Yeah. Even if it's not directly, it's people that know you and have yeah. watched your faith and, and, and yeah, prayed for you. And neighbors. And yeah. 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 It's never, you're never an island in it. So we need regular teaching on God's design for sexuality and singleness and marriage. We need to be involved in good marriage events and programs. And you can go check out Family Life Canada or Doing Family Right. There's lots of great books we have here at church. Timothy Keller, Jay Adams. All you have to do is email me. I'll give you a list of really great resources. And if you're not a book reader, I mean, we have DVDs. We have access to Right Now Media. We have all kinds of things. Yeah. Okay, third one. Hungering for spice. Well, (laughs) of course, faithful Christian marriages. Now I'm talking about people who are committed to each other as Christians often think that's it like Hmm. maybe it's boring to be that way because everybody else is in and out of each other's beds and there's all kinds of other sort of exciting things going on is what we think so we've seen a dramatic increase in popularity for erotic literature like 50 shades of gray and we just came through valentine's and so everybody was well it was just shown in the theaters right and every radio station you hear like i'll just turn on the radio for some news channel and the DJ will be talking about oh yeah when we watched Fifty Shades of Grey together this gave me a new idea for the song or whatever it's like it's everywhere it's part of that every conversation it seems like and there's this expectation that if you go to the movie with your spouse all said in your time in the bedroom is going to be more exciting that evening or the next few weeks yeah yeah we are seeking escape or distraction from our regular lives people ask me why do women read erotic literature and I'm like, well, because we get a little bit bored in our regular lives. We do the regular loops of groceries and laundry and errands around town and driving kids. And so women are hungry for hmm. something that's exciting, a thrill. Something that they want more to their life than what they're currently yeah. experiencing. And they don't want it to actually happen in real life. We don't actually want to be raped or hurt in sex. We don't want that realistically. But we want to sort of spy on it, be voyeurs. We want to sort of enjoy it. And so, but it's not helpful for our marriages. And so we see here at church, we see things like emotional adultery, people who are caught up in relationships through texting and Facebook. It's not a physical affair, but it is an emotional affair. They're, atta- they're building an attachment to somebody who's not their spouse. Yeah. Yeah. And sharing things that should only be shared with a spouse. And Absolutely. Relying on them yeah. in a way that they shouldn't. Yeah. Pornography use is the norm. We see people having sex with other Christian couples, like couples exchanging sex with each other, swinging, Um, friends with benefits. I mean, there's all kinds of things that are happening. And of course, sexual sin results in the breakdown of trust, friendship, connection, commitment in marriage. And I know that's, for people listening, that's of course, that's duh. Yeah, it hurts. (laughs) What's interesting is we also see then who people who are caught up in sexual sin who are Christians... We are seeing that they are less involved in church. Mm-hmm. Well, they withdraw because they feel guilt and they feel shame. So they know they shouldn't really be, but they don't want to give it up. Right. But then they know they shouldn't be serving. Right. And so you have less people ready to step up into leadership roles. 
So what's that going to do to our church in the future? Yeah. If people are unwilling to step into serving roles, teaching, leading, serving, small groups. I know that I sit on the Elder Discernment Committee, and it's hard to find elders because many have been caught up in pornography and all kinds of hidden sexual sins. Mm-hmm. And now they are not mature or they are, haven't been out of it long enough or they're not clean or they're, they don't even feel worthy. Right. Which is a, like in a church that's this size, yeah. you'd think there'd be a huge pool of people yeah. to, to pull from. But I know you're always struggling to find those mm-hmm. people. And sexual sin is a huge part of it. Yeah. And even yeah, people who are willing to be accountable for it. So it might be something they've dealt with in the past or are working through, but you still need them to be willing to be accountable for future growth, right? So it's not like they have to be perfect to be an elder, but they need to be willing to work on things. That was one of the questions the seminary students asked me. They said, well, how long does someone need to be clean? And I said, well, on the Elder Discernment Committee, we don't have a timeline. You don't have to be clean for three years or five years or ten years or anything. We don't have a set time. It's more about... Uh, what have you been doing in your clean time? Mm-hmm. How are you connected with accountability? What are you doing for Bible reading and prayer? What's, what has taken over your passions in terms of, has your love for God filled that void and you have left behind some of those things that you were stuck to, those sins that you were yeah. stuck to before? It's more about that than it is about a time period. Because mm-hmm. repentance can happen fast yeah. and deep and hard and yeah. you can be on a different path Absolutely. the next week. Yeah. If you keep continue moving on in that. Yeah. yeah. I have lots of resources for solutions in that area, so feel free to contact us. At this point in the podcast, we had a few technical difficulties. As we were listening to it later, we realized it cut out at this point. So we finished the podcast, merrily going our way, and then realized we hadn't recorded the end. So now we are <laughs> meeting again uh, to record the end. We thought we'd admit that to you in case, as you're listening, it sounds weird like we sound like we're different or the room sounds different or something but it's the same day we're same wearing day. the same clothes yeah. <laughs> the same room we still have this in our brains uh, we're just continuing on where we left off which mm-hmm. was acceptable sexual goalposts have moved so why don't you unpack that a bit for us Thalia? yeah so we were in this category we're talking about that there's an increase in same-sex experimentation and there's an increase in approval for homosexual behavior in the lives of christians especially for committed same-sex relationships. And I'm not talking about um, same-sex temptation or that kind of thing. I'm talking about practicing homosexual behavior. And it's becoming more of a divisive issue among churches. Yes. So some churches are on one side of the argument saying that homosexual behavior, like actual practicing homosexual behavior is wrong, it's sinful. And other churches are saying it's okay if if it's in a loving, committed, same-sex relationship. Marriage relationship. And then in that case, we should welcome people who are practicing homosexual behavior into membership, ordain them as pastors, marry them, that kind of thing. Because this is very much the cultural message, again, that we're getting, right? Every movie that we see and every news item, almost every day, we get some kind of story along these lines that this is what acceptable tolerance looks like. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And most churches would agree that promiscuous behavior, whether it's homosexual or heterosexual, is wrong. Mm -hmm. But when it's in a committed same-sex relationship or committed heterosexual, that's where the divide is often happening. Yeah. So, of course, a few years ago when I started working here, Katy Perry's song came out. I kissed a girl and I liked it. And so then I had parents phoning me saying that their kids were trying this out. And we're seeing this increase in middle school, high school, college, and university where kids are experimenting with same-sex behavior because 
Maybe they will like it. Maybe that's who they are. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, that is huge for parents. How uh, do they navigate this issue with their kids, their teens, their adult children? And there's sexual identity confusion among young people. As they try this out, they're not sure who they are, what they are. They don't really know what the Bible says. Maybe they do, maybe they don't. It's it's a big deal. And it's a topic that our churches haven't really dealt with properly in the past. Yeah. We have been very black and white, and we have been very um, not open to the conversation. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's a good thing for people to know that we're happy to walk through these issues with people. Yeah. And we have talked with lots of people about this. Yeah. And there's lots of good books and resources uh, that we'd refer you to. Mm-hmm. And Jeff did a sermon in November, this past November, 2014, on the whole issue of homosexuality. So mm-hmm. I would reference that. Go back and listen to that. As well as there are some books. Sam Albury has a book called Is God Anti-Gay? It's an excellent book. My 15-year-old read it. It's very easily uh, understandable. So that's a great book. Rosaria Butterfield, The Secret Thoughts of an Unlikely Christian. Unlikely she Convert, was, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, Unlikely Convert. Thoughts of an unlikely, unlikely convert. Is okay, maybe book. something. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Rosaria Butterfield. Butterfield. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's really good. She's it's her very personal good. autobiography of, of walking through lifestyle changes. Yeah. 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 She was a lesbian activist mm-hmm. and a professor, and she is now a Christian. And we've heard her speak at the Gospel Coalition. So, yeah. excellent. Okay, we'll keep cruising. Yep. The next category is wearing a mask. Christians are finding ways to sin more discreetly. And, of course, if you're listening to this podcast, you're like, well, duh. <laughs> we are finding ways to be... Um, yeah, more discreet. We are sexting, which is hidden on our phones. We are using, we are looking at books and magazines on our iPads and tablets and movies and TV shows. So people don't see the actual no, spine and no. title of the book that we're reading. Yep. No, years ago I was at a martial arts event with my son and the women beside me all had their tablets on and they realized they were all reading the same book. At that time it was Fifty Shades of Grey, but they were all hiding it from everyone because mm-hmm. you couldn't see what people were reading. So... Yes, and of course, with that comes a whole bunch of fear of discovery, guilt, shame, anxiety, depression, suicidal thoughts and attempts, huge health issues. And we've seen women who are suicidal here at church, whether they're single or married, and they are in such distress because of the sin that they've been involved in. And so people on the outside look at them and they think they're crazy. They're suicidal. Why would they be suicidal? Their life is so great. It looks good from the outside. It looks good yeah. from the outside. What they don't realize is that in the secret parts of their lives, they are involved in all kinds of sexual sin, which is really hurting them. Mm-hmm. And we talked about the fact that this kind of secret sexual sin takes out our potential leaders. Women leaders, you know, it's hard for women to be table leaders and in coffee ministry and serving in the kitchen and youth leaders when they are harboring sexual sin secretly. Whew, that's a lot to say. (laughs) Same Same for our men. So we would really encourage accountability and self-control and involvement in church and all those basics we and talked to say about before. That all of us are sinners, oh, and yeah. if we just bring these things into the light yeah. and ask for repentance or yeah. show repentance, ask for forgiveness, be willing to be accountable. Nothing of this is no. insurmountable. There's no. nothing that has to bring us down. Yeah, based on this. Yeah. First John one nine. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us. How many sins? All, all sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we could all have that clean slate and start again. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing needs to keep us back. No. And that moves really well into the next problem, which is silence in the church. So compared to our culture, many churches are viewed as being silent on sexuality and sexual issues, which is a huge part of why we're doing this podcast. And I'm teaching a class on Wednesday mornings through women's ministry because we're talking about these words, we're talking about these issues. 
And our churches are often silent in the area of church discipline. It's not pursued as it should be, and it's not consistent. Now, we are we still honor silence in the sense of we don't want to air everyone's dirty laundry no, publicly no. to the whole world. But we just so you know, as listeners, we do deal with people who we know are caught in these in these situations and mm-hmm. we have a process for which how we go through that and it's handled very discreetly yes. and there's various steps that are taken yes so the church does take it seriously we yes. don't just turn a blind eye if somebody if we find out that somebody is involved in situations that are sinful in this way absolutely well, in other ways too mm-hmm. but um, we just want you to know as a congregation that it is something that our church yeah. takes seriously absolutely and I've always appreciated just since we even we started attending here just the fact that there are courses available for mm-hmm. this topic there have been for years, the Pure mm-hmm. Desire course, um, then there was a Valiant Man course, now there's a Conquer series, yeah. and there's stuff for women and for men, yeah. and Thalia has been very open about talking about that, so yeah. there's lots of resources. Yeah, uh, We don't want to be silent on it. We want to say the words yeah. and be com- show people that we're comfortable talking about it. Yeah, because people who come to our church have lots of questions. They mm-hmm. wonder, what's okay in the bedroom, what's not okay in the bedroom? What do I do if I'm having an affair or my husband's having an affair? What do I do if I'm struggling with same-sex attraction? And many people are unsure if they can raise these kinds of questions at church. Yeah, and, and if we they don't say, raise yes, them please. here, then yeah. they're going to go elsewhere for answers, which right. may not be biblically sound. Exactly. Yeah. And the last category is where I get usually the most pushback when I teach at other places. So I've taught at CBC and I've taught for pastors that are being credentialed, which means they're getting their license with the government. Yeah, so they can marry people and stuff. Right. So I talk about boundaries. And in our desire to care for and love others, Christians may not put healthy boundaries in place to protect against sexual immorality. So this is what usually happens. I usually will speak, and there will be a young male youth leader or a youth pastor, and they may be engaged or married, and they will say, why do we need to put boundaries in place? Like if I tell my fiancé or my wife that I'm going out to meet for coffee with another woman who's hurting, why is that a problem? And I say to them, well, it might not be a problem today, but... You know, maybe next week or next month, maybe you hit a dry spot in your marriage, or maybe you hit a difficulty in your marriage. If you continue to meet with women who are hurting and in need for coffee, or you text them, or you're involved in Facebook, or whatever, you risk putting your marriage at risk, you risk the reputation of your church, you risk putting yourself um, in moral danger, you could really hurt yourself. And you could even be falsely accused of things. Even if you haven't done anything wrong, you can be falsely accused by somebody who's hurting that wants to get your attention or wants to get back at you because you haven't given them what they want. Yes. So we need to be very careful about what we put around ourselves as protection. So I'm careful about who I text and why and what for. When I text men, because I do, I will text them factually. I'll be in the atrium at 7. Yes, I will MC on the weekend. But it's not those heart conversations with other men other than my husband. Mm -hmm. It's not like, oh, you had such a great sermon. I really appreciate what you... No. And you talked about, Crystal, how... Yeah, when I do have those kind of things that I feel like I need to express and I won't be seeing somebody in person for a while, I'll generally CC somebody else within the office for accountability. So if I want to send a note like that to Greg affirming him for something or to Jeff affirming him for something, I'll CC it to Steve or to Thalia or something. So it doesn't look like there's any ulterior motive attached to that. Because you can quickly get caught up in a relationship through texting or through Facebook or through coffee meetings and maybe you didn't mean to, but it happened and now you're stuck. Mm-hmm. And now you're in trouble. And we need to consider these boundaries and these guards before we get into trouble. 
So here at the office, for example, Vic and I work together on the care team, but we don't drive to meetings together alone. We don't go for coffee together alone. We will meet in offices that have glass walls so that there isn't even a hint of anything happening mm-hmm. between us or any other staff person. It's not just Vic, but others as well. We don't want to hurt our marriages. We don't want to hurt our church. And if we go away to conferences where we're... Um they recommend that we bring someone with us, that we don't mm-hmm. travel alone. No. Uh, there's always accountability around us yeah. for our own sake and for the sake of the church's reputation. Yeah. It's something that the world is recognizing, and I think our churches need to recognize it. I was talking to my husband, Bob, about some of the pushback that Thalia gets sometimes about this, and he was a little flabbergasted because as a hockey coach, he's coached since my, young, since my oldest was five, so for 14 years, and their very basic first training that they have to go to is how to be how to have appropriate boundaries mm. with kids in the dressing room like that there has to be two coaches in there at all times you can't right. just be one coach you can't take a kid home by themselves because who knows what that kid will accuse you of right so there's all kinds of safeguards that they put in place and sometimes in the church we're a little bit more lax on those for the sake of ministry ministry yeah and we need to be cautious we need to be aware of this world that we're working in the people yes. that we're working with and be at least as vigilant as others would be, if not more. Yeah. Yeah. That's very important to consider. So I'm going to close with 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 to 8. I'm going to read it through, and then I'm going to pray it through for us. Mm-hmm. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor. For God has not called us to impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this disregards not man, but God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. Lord, I'm so thankful that Crystal and I could talk through this difficult topic today on our podcast. And I pray that we would follow your will, Lord, that we would be sanctified by you, Mm. that you would teach us to abstain from sexual immorality, and that we would be taught how to control our own bodies in holiness and honor. Lord, you've called us to impurity. Uh, Sorry, you've called us to purity, not impurity. You've called us for holiness. Lord, help us not to disregard this because it was you who gave it to us by your Holy Spirit. Mm. And Lord, for each of our listeners, I don't know where they're at, whether this is a struggle for them or someone close to them. But Lord, I pray that this podcast would reach the people at the places where they need to hear it. Thank you, Lord, for this day. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us and we'll see you next time. Goodbye.